0: popcorn put on your comfiest pajamas and grab a drink because it's time for a new episode of Sierra Unfiltered hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Sierra Unfiltered hey Sky. Hey friends. How's it going? I was so sad that we weren't able to podcast last week because mm-hmm. I was sick. I was a little bit nauseous. I'm fine now, also not pregnant. I just have to say that. <laughs> because you know when you're trying to conceive and you say you're nauseous or you're not feeling well, everyone does that like, oh, could you? Could you? I'm like, nope, that I took six tests. They were all negative. <laughs> you're all trust me. I know. I, I'm aware. <laughs> Which is an interesting way to start this podcast because we are actually going to be talking about Skylar's birth
1: story. Yes, we are. And so I I just want to up front give a bunch of content warnings. I think usually we want, you know, just everyone to listen to our podcast because it's like fun and silly and great. And like at the end of the day, I have a healthy baby who I love more than anything in the world. And I would do it a hundred times over, but my birth story was very traumatic like spoiler alert my son (laughs) ended up in the NICU and there were a lot of decisions that I made that I probably wouldn't make again um and a lot of things that i'll change going into my second time around but i just think kind of the topic of birth is very taboo and people have very polarizing opinions on things like epidurals and induction and just kind of everything and so i have asked sierra to turn off the comments for this video because i think that this is a really vulnerable thing for me to share um like, I, I'm going to be talking about, like, my vagina. <laughs> like, and I'm not going to be like, and then the stork dropped off my little miracle. Like, no, you I'm... pushed him out. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm going to be talking about, like, everything birth-related. And I, I also think that I don't want my story to scare anyone. Um, and so, like, if you're pregnant or trying to get pregnant and you're, like, nervous about birth or think that hearing a... Uh, kind of negative birth story could make you more nervous I would recommend maybe not listening to this podcast um just just because I think I don't want like my negative situation to make anyone have more anxiety if that makes sense right
0: and I think turning off the comments on this podcast is the best move like I 100% am behind you on that because this is I mean the internet is can be a wonderful place but also like you open yourself up to criticism when you post online and usually criticism on our podcast is people disagreeing with our hot takes or someone saying they disagree with us on something you know kind of shallow and that's totally fine and we welcome that but birth and motherhood is such a personal experience and it also is something that I think gets shamed and criticized more than anything else on the internet um mom shaming is very real and I I don't think it's okay and I don't want to even let there be a possibility of someone making you feel badly about the experience that you had um so normally I would say something like so please be kind in the comments but we're just gonna turn off the comments for this one and uh we'll have them back to normal in the next episode but this is really just going to be kind of Skylar sharing her birth experience. And um, I kind of know this story, but also this is kind of my first time hearing it in full. Because yeah. my from my, you know, experience with it, you texted me when you were going in. We were getting texts from you and your mom and Kyle. And then when things started going downhill, we didn't really know much. And then mm-hmm. we didn't really want to ask. And then a week later when we went over to your house to meet Milo and to see you guys, we talked about it a lot. But also I didn't want to like pry because it was still very fresh. So I think I'm really excited just from like a friend level to hear your story like point by point especially because Skylar and I were talking about this before we started recording, but she took like detailed notes through the entire experience of like, Mm -hmm. and then this happened, and then at this time this happened. So this is going to be like an in-depth birth story. And I'm really excited. I'm really excited too.
1: I think... Also, if you are someone who, like, also had a traumatic birth or you relate in any way or you want to reach out, I understand that the comments can be a place for you to leave positive stuff. So if you want to DM me on Instagram, you totally can. I just, I mean, I know I don't really share that much about my life online. Like, I'll post, like, the occasional Instagram story, but it's, like, just, like, a cute picture of Milo. I don't, like, have a YouTube channel or anything, and so... I like I posted like oh I'm 41 weeks pregnant today with like a cute boom- boomerang and I got a bunch of dms being like I really hope you don't have to get induced like getting induced is the worst thing ever and that was like just off of a boomerang so just just be kind <laughs> guys be kind I, I also we didn't film anything because I just I mean I'm not really, I think I've gotten a lot better since Milo's been born about filming like home videos for us, but I think I kind of get stressed out in situations like that or feel like I have to be on like if Kyle was to be filming. So this is kind of like our documentation of the birth story. So I'm excited.
0: I'm really excited too, especially it's been really cool and such a blessing to watch both you and my friend Kenzie go through pregnancy and birth and motherhood and yeah. kind of just watching you guys both transform into like different people through these experiences and it's just so cool and magical even when it's not. And that's what yeah. I think is such an interesting thing is I do think a lot of the times we have this vision of birth as being beautiful and magnificent and it it is but it also can be difficult and traumatic and you can still be happy that you went through it and it can still be something that you look back on and are grateful for even when it's not all sunshine and rainbows. So – Absolutely. I mean, I think one of my biggest things is like when I
1: talk to my friends or my family about my birth is I thought that the day that I gave birth to my first child was going to be the happiest day of my life. And I can say it was in like the top three worst days of my entire life, which sounds like really horrible and it, it's because it was and not every birth is that way I know people who love giving birth <laughs> like and I just was kind of dealt a bad set of cards and I don't think I advocated enough for myself and I hope that if you're listening to this and you'll give birth someday that you can kind of walk away and feel like you can advocate for yourself better and I think that one thing I really took away from my birth experience and pregnancy and now motherhood is that like a mother's intuition is very real. And I think that the best decision <laughs> for you when it comes in, when it's like situations like this, uh, is always what your gut is telling you. I think you can do all of the research in the world, but Like I went from I think four centimeters to 10 centimeters in an hour or two which is kind of unheard of and I kept asking everyone to check me and no one would because they didn't believe me and then they checked me and were like oh you're 10 centimeters and you're in the right station and we need to start pushing you know and it's like you you always know your body and your baby so yeah that's all that's my preface before we get into it. But. Well,
0: I'm really excited. Um we're not going to yeah. do hot takes today. We're just going to jump right in. But, yeah. I do have to ask. What you drinking?
1: I I'm actually drinking a special drink today. So, Ooh. it's just lemon water, but when <laughs> I was in the hospital, they they give you these like cups to drink out of. They're like just these like generic pink cups. But when I went to the NICU for the first time to visit Milo, the nurse asked me if I wanted a water and she wrote on it and it wrote Milo's mom on it. And at that time I was feeling like uh, it was weird having people tell me things about my baby who like I hadn't yet held. Like all these nurses were like, he's such a fighter. He's this, he's that. And like, I felt like these strangers knew more about my baby than me. And so I think them handing me something that said like Milo's mom made me feel very special. And so after that, whenever like a postpartum nurse would come in and try and change my water, Kyle would be like, please don't take the cup <laughs> like, oh. like,
0: please just like let her have this one oh. so and then you I'm, kept it so i'm
1: drinking out of my milo's mom cup also this is a reusable straw so don't drag me in the comments <laughs>
0: there's no comments to drag you in oh don't drag <laughs> me
1: my dms
0: <laughs> what are you drinking i am drinking kombucha which is just Butch? always always is that my what you favorite call it? yeah kombuch. some kombuch kombuch some booch booch <laughs> all right i love that for you well, I uh, will. I'll let you just kind of go, and I'll just jump in at any time. I have like a question or a yeah. thought, and I just really want this. I, I wanted whatever I need to do to like facilitate you telling your story mm-hmm. in the way that makes you the most comfortable. That's just what I want to be here for. So Aww, I Take appreciate it.
1: Woo woo Okay, um, let me let me. I have eleven pages of notes, guys. So I'm buckle so excited. In. Oh, I also before we want before we like get started, I want to say that I know that there are amazing labor and delivery nurses out there and doctors, um, and so just because I had a bad couple or had a bad experience with a couple, doesn't mean that in any way, shape, or form I'm trying to disrespect anyone. I think nurses, especially in this time, are just superheroes, and every day they're superheroes, and so I just also want to preface that because I. Had some not so great people on my team. And so, just love and respect to nurses and doctors. Um, so, some background information, because I think it's kind of important to set the scene, is that I switched healthcare providers in my third trimester. And I knew that that was going to happen, but I feel like anytime anyone asked me about it or I was confronted with it, I just would get really like flustered. And so, I just wouldn't want to talk about it. Um, and I really, really liked my first OBGYN that I had. I felt like I did a really good job picking her and I did a lot of research on her and she, she just was great. Like her brother worked in theater. So we'd have like great conversations about that. And she had a lot of like similar beliefs to me and she was just wonderful. Um, and when I went to switch, Sierra, you probably remember because I was like driving to your house the morning that the like big open enrollment thing happened with my insurance and I had a list of probably six doctors in order from like like who I Preference. really want yeah. to like this is my last choice but I'll I will take, take them it. before someone I don't know. Um, and I called and they said that none of them had availability and that they only had a midwife available and that I wouldn't be able to see her for all of my appointments. And I looked her up and she had one star reviews and I had a meltdown in Sierra's office and was like this is the worst mistake ever. Like what am I going to do? And so eventually I just I kept calling and calling and they got me together with an OBGYN that I hadn't chose, but she was an OBGYN in the office that I wanted to go to and I thought it was going to be hunky dory, and I I won't get into details just because that could be like a whole nother podcast as to like why her and I didn't vibe. Um, but basically, in my second appointment that I had with her, she said some like really upsetting things to me. And so I like left the office crying and it was a huge traumatic thing. And so then I switched to a nurse practitioner uh, for my last. I think I only had two appointments left and nurse practitioners don't deliver you or at least my nurse practitioner didn't deliver at the hospital that I was going to be at so I knew going into labor that I wasn't going to know anyone like when my mom gave birth she had her OBGYN that was her OBGYN who she had had through all of her pregnancies who was there each time and so I think a lot of people kind of have have that familiarity um and I, I knew I wasn't going to have that, but I had kind of decided that that was going to be okay. Um, and also, I could have sworn that I was
0: going to go into labor early. Like, Sierra, I'm sure you remember. Yeah. You, every- I remember it was Christmas time. And you, you, what was your due date? Was it January 31st? Yes, it was January 31st. It was Christmas time and you guys were moving. Um, and you and I were talking and you were like, I know he's going to come early, but I just need him to wait until after the holidays. And like once Mm -hmm. January 1st hits, like it's free game, you, you can come, it's time, that's fine. And so I think I remember that period of like November through end of December being really stressful for you Mm -hmm. because there was so much going on and you just wanted to, you just wanted to get through that period. Yeah. And then when he didn't come early and- The due date came around and then a couple days after I think not only you but like Kyle and me and your mom and everyone was really surprised.
1: Yeah I mean I was just kind of shocked. I mean I think that I think that there were a lot of reasons why I thought he was coming early but one of the biggest ones was that my mom went into preterm labor with me at 26 weeks and my sister at 30 weeks. And my mom and I are very similar, like especially when it comes to medical things. And like we had very similar pregnancies and I felt like he was a pretty big baby. And and so I just, I was convinced that he was going
0: to come early. And, well,
1: and they, they kept
0: saying that to you at like every appointment, right? Like yes. since like 12 weeks, like, wow, he's really far along. Like he's really big. Mm-hmm. He has really long legs like any day yeah. now. And so I think that kind of sowed that seed in your brain of like, oh I'm not going to January 31st (laughs) totally and so when January
1: 31st came and I hadn't gone into labor I was very shocked um but I had actually gone into labor and delivery a couple times before that and so the first time I went in was December 16th and I was having really bad Braxton Hicks contractions which Braxton Hicks contractions are basically just like baby contractions like they they aren't as intense as contractions but a lot of times they can be like a precursor to labor and I was having really bad cramping and just a lot of symptoms and Kyle was in Florida and so I was freaked out and I called my mother-in-law well I called I think I called a couple people but my mother-in-law was free and so she ended up coming and picking me up and driving me down there and I was like wheeled in in a wheelchair and I was calling Kyle and I was like I think this might be it like I don't really know what's (laughs) happening like you might need to get on a plane from Florida and come see me and it was just like very dramatic but I ended up being all right and they put me on medication and that was all good and then on January 8th i went into labor and delivery again at the hospital that i would actually end up delivering at because we had moved in between those time periods because i thought that i had lost my mucus plug um which is something that happens to a decent amount of women before they give birth well i think it happens to everyone but it happens to a decent amount of people like at home before they go in um but it turns out that i just peed myself So,
0: pregnancy things.
1: So that's really fun. I remember I like got out of the shower and I was like, Kyle, I think that I just lost my mucus plug. Like, we need to go in right now. And I think I was like having Braxton Hicks contractions because that's what happens at that point in your pregnancy. Like, you just kind of have them a lot. Um, And then we went in and they tested me and it was so embarrassing because they were like, Well, um, we. it, this happens to a lot of people. <laughs> like, we think that you just peed yourself. And I was like, oh, okay. That's well, nice. I guess we'll like, pack up my hospital bag, get out of the hospital gown, and go home. Um, which I think it happens to a lot of first-time moms, where they just like, go in. And I, I mean, I encourage that, because I think a lot Better of times safe you, than sorry. Yeah. And I think <laughs> the labor and delivery nurses are used to kind of like, checking people out and sending them home. Um... And then the next day, so I went into labor and delivery. Then the next day I had my, whatever, 20-something, 20-something week, 30-something <laughs> week uh, appointment with my doctor. And so I went in, did my routine appointment. And then that night I got home and I was walking down the stairs and I fell down the stairs. And I it was very traumatic and scary and so then we ended up going into labor and delivery again (laughs) and I had like the same nurses and everything was totally fine but I think it was just like it was a whole big thing of I felt I mean if at any other time in my pregnancy I'd fallen downstairs I would have been in labor and delivery in a heartbeat but I had literally been in the day prior and then I had been into the doctors that morning and so I was like really like am I, am I just gonna live in labor and delivery now like what what is happening and so I think when it, I went in that time I was again having really strong contractions and they were picking up on the monitor and so I was like okay this is it like I'm just I'm gonna stay here and like I'm having contractions that are on the monitor I knew I was gonna go into early labor this is it it wasn't so i went home and that was it how many weeks 38 so so that was january 9th and i was due on the 31st so i'm bad at math like 37 how many weeks i
0: think yeah, yeah. something like sure, that which we'll i feel like
1: A lot of first-time moms go over, but, I mean, I feel like 37 weeks is also a pretty normal time to go into labor. I feel like babies don't have calendars. (laughs) They don't really understand, like, the concept of, I was conceived on exactly this day. So it's time for me to make my arrival. Um, And so I I was convinced that that was going to be it, but it wasn't. Um, And then after that, I got a crazy UTI. And I went in, UTIs are one of like the number one reasons why women go into early labor is because it can mess with your amniotic sac and just kind of like weaken it. And it's a whole thing. And so I went in right away and got a urine sample done and then they lost my urine sample <laughs> and so i just remember i was like waiting at home and i was like why have they not called me yet and so i called and they were like oh well i think that our lab tech lost it so can you come in and do another one and i was like 39 weeks pregnant at this point and i was like so worked." um but so i went in did another one got an antibiotics that was all fine um and so i got to 41 weeks I got to 40 weeks and that's when my doctor started talking to me about the possibility of induction and although my mom had gone into early labor with all of her kids she had to end up being induced because they like put her on medication to kind of slow down the process so she was induced with all three of us so I knew that that was like a possibility for me and obviously a lot of people have like horror stories when it comes to induction but I know a lot of people personally that were like it was great like I got to go to the hospital calm cool and collected like it's not great for your baby to stay in there like way far past your due date I mean I think a week or two is a different story but once it gets to a certain point like they need to come into the world and so we had decided on February 5th for induction and so then They told me to call on the 5th to schedule like when I was going to come in that day because it obviously depends if a bunch of women go into labor the night before then they're going to push you off a little bit and if they're open they'd be like yeah come in at 9. So I was already like a wreck (laughs) of just like being so nervous. I think that everyone's nervous for labor but I think knowing like okay like I'm going to bed and tomorrow like I am checking into the hospital was just like a little weird of like packing up my bags and being like okay we're just gonna like calmly get in the car and this is what it's gonna be and so I think I had the expectation that at 9 a.m I was gonna call and they were gonna be like come on over we're ready for you and I called and they were like "Mm, call back at 2 (laughs) (laughs) p.m you're like I just
0: spent the last week thinking this is the day that I'm gonna go and then being told that it's not or at least later like waiting another couple hours that must have been like yeah. the longest couple hours ever
1: oh my god it was awful <laughs> and so kyle and i were like let's go to buy my baby It's like not that far of a drive from us and let's just like walk around maybe we'll buy a cute onesie like we need to get out of this house because at that point like everything had been deep cleaned like I had a meal (laughs) prepped for a week like everything was ready and I felt like I was just going stir crazy sitting in the house and so we get to bye-bye baby and we're walking around and I get a call and I pick up and it was a doctor from the hospital and he said that since I had changed insurances he couldn't find my dating ultrasound which basically confirms that like I was due on the 31st and so he was saying that we might have to wait another week if they can't find it because they don't want to accidentally induce someone who's like not like not at their due date or past it and I freaked out because I was like if I'm not getting induced today like I have so much anxiety like I just even if I'm like sitting in the hospital waiting room like I just need to get into the hospital at this point right and so i talked to him for maybe like 25 minutes in bye bye baby and eventually we were able to figure it out and he found an ultrasound that said i was due on like the second or something which doesn't even make sense but he was like that's good enough for me (laughs) and so he was like i think you can actually come in at one like you can come in an hour early we're not that slammed and so we went back we drove into the hospital and got checked in um and the first nurse i had was super nice and i had made all these like positive birth affirmations to tape up to the wall and she was like oh you really seem like someone who could go natural like looking at your birth plan like are you sure that you want like an epidural are you sure that you want this and I feel like that was kind of a precursor for me. Like, that should have
0: been the first red flag. Right. I mean, of, like, of you being like, yes, I'm sure. I've thought about this. I've researched yes. this. I've, <laughs> I, trust me. I am 41 weeks pregnant. I know that I want an epidural. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I, I think that. Um, but Loki, I'm- you do seem like someone who could go natural in like every way. Like Aww. the natural granola, <laughs> the natural birth, the natural this. Well, and
1: for my next child, I might. I mean, you I don't know. That, I think I think I have like a lot of takeaways from my birth. I think I mean, spoiler alert, I did end up going
0: natural, not um, by choice, not by choice. <laughs> but I think Which now Which makes I'm, it so much worse. Cuz you didn't so even get to worse. have the like like autonomy to be like, I yes. made this decision for me. This is what I want. Mm-hmm. No, you didn't get that. You got no. like thrust into it. And In, I I think that if
1: Like I think knowing that I can do it and that I did do it I think that if I prepped myself a little bit more like if I brought a doula with me if I looked into like hypnobirthing or like different like I went to literally every single baby class that my healthcare provider offered except for the like relaxation labor techniques. Like I went to the labor and delivery class but I didn't go to the relaxation one. So I was like I've been to the I think it was like a 10 hour class the labor and delivery one I was like I've been there I have my birth plan all typed out like I'm getting an epidural so I shouldn't be that stressed right um but so I think if I like were to go to classes like that (laughs) then maybe I'd be more well equipped with like techniques that would help me go down the natural route but at that point I was like um. Yeah. Nope. I <laughs> liked you. I I brought my birth plan, or I printed out a copy of my birth plan. I yeah. thought it could be fun for us at the end to <laughs> maybe go through and see all the things that didn't didn't happen into my
0: birth plan. Hmm, epidural.
1: Um, nope. <laughs> yeah. But I literally like I was so prepped. I think I had yeah. like six copies of my birth plan printed out. They were all laminated. Like I was ready to go. Um. And and so she was super nice. She said I seemed like someone who could go natural, and I was like, "Lol, thanks, but no thanks." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so then at two thirty p.m., they finally got my IV in, and it took three tries Ugh. for them to get my IV in, and a, but like multiple nurses. And I, I know, Sarah, you're the exact same way. Of when I go get my blood drawn, which in pregnancy you have to do that a lot. Every single time, they're like, oh, you must not drink water. Oh, didn't you prep before this? Like, your veins are so skinny. Like, this is going to be so hard. And they poke me so many times and it's awful. And so, like, I already knew that the IV wasn't going to be great. But having them do it three times before,
0: like, the fourth successful time was awful. Yeah. I have the same thing with the baby veins. Every time I go in, they're like... Literally calling over other nurses to be like, Look at this girl's veins, they're so small, you must be so dehydrated. I'm like, I literally drank like four venti cups of ice water on my way here. I don't want to hear it.
1: You're like, uh, Thank you, but no thank you. Yeah, (laughs) like I'm good. Um, and so they finally got the IV in, they drew my blood, and then the first doctor came in to talk to me about my birth plan, and I And this was a doctor you had never met, right? Yeah. So this was a doctor I had never met and he wound up like, come because I was in there for a lot of days. And so I ended up like having him again and he wasn't great. He he was very, um, he like reminds me of a football coach. (laughs) And like you don't really want a football coach to be like your labor and delivery doctor. (laughs) you know like I I feel like in labor and delivery at least for me personally I want kind of like feminine energy around me and I want like soft-spoken people who are well educated but like kind and I felt like he was kind of like aggressive (laughs) and so that was already like okay let me just whatever um and So then after that, they kind of assessed me. And so what they figured out was that I was already contracting, but my cervix wasn't softened or dilated at all. So basically, in case people don't know, to have a baby... Your cervix has to go from being closed to being 10 centimeters dilated. I don't know why I went like that. That is not 10 (laughs) centimeters. 10 centimeters dilated. 10 centimeters. And so, but I was having contractions. So I was... So their game plan was to put me on a medication called Cytotech, which helps soften your cervix and hopefully dilate it, but doesn't give you contractions. So a lot of times when you hear about induction, I would say like 99% of the time, uh, you hear about people getting Pitocin, which to get contractions, your body... Needs to create oxytocin, um, which is basically like the happy chemical. (laughs) It's like how I would describe it. Uh, And so Pitocin is basically just like an artificial version of that. And I personally have never heard of someone being induced and not getting Pitocin in their induction. Um, And so I was fully prepped for that and spoiler alert they didn't give me any Pitocin which I think might be part of the problem um but I feel like the first big red flag I had was when the doctor was talking to the nurse about giving me cytotech, they started debating whether it should be given orally or vaginally and like didn't come to a conclusion like it was like like the doctor just arguing just, about
0: it in front of you but there was yes. no like oh okay I understand now this it wasn't like oh do
1: let's go consult, like, our team members and come to a conclusion. It was basically, like, this aggressive male doctor being like, nope, what I say rules, like, you're dumb, nurse. We're giving it to her orally. Um, And so that was Kyle and I remember, like, just looking at each other being like, are people not on the same page? <laughs> like is this not like common practice? Like I just came in for an induction. Like this seems very normal in the fact that yeah. they were disagreeing about this like seemingly commonplace drug seemed very like concerning. Um but so they gave it to me orally and then I remember like nothing was really happening. And so Kyle and I like went on a walk around the labor and delivery ward and I think that was kind of like the happy time of delivery. (laughs) Yeah, I think I I have a
0: picture of you like holding up like a cup of ice and like smiling in your hospital gown and Kyle and like a button up, giving like the thumbs up. Like I think that was kind of like the we're here, maybe things aren't going perfectly as planned, but like we're progressing, it's happening, today's the day.
1: Yeah, well and I think too it was – this idea of like i was having contractions and i could see them on the screen and i i was still feeling it all right enough to walk around and i was like oh this is like if this is it pre-epidural like we're gonna be coasting (laughs) um but so then a couple hours later they gave me another cytotech orally and then at 1am i had the worst pain of my life like maybe worse than when i actually gave birth like it was I was literally screaming, like actually screaming in the labor and delivery room. And so I like was yelling for Kyle to come get a nurse and the nurses had just changed shifts. And so I didn't know the nurse that came in and she didn't know me. And I wasn't planning on getting any pain medication other than an epidural. But I literally like I couldn't breathe. And so they put me on the oxygen mask and were like, okay your birth plan says that you don't want any pain medication but like do you want pain medication because like you shouldn't get an epidural this early and even if you wanted to it would take like an hour and a half to get every like to get it all situated um and so I was like yes please just give me a pain medication um and so to do that she had to check my cervix first and she I feel like this is kind of what set me on like all of the wrong trajectories of my birth um so she checked me and said I was half a centimeter dilated and she has checked me very quick and at, up until this point everyone had said that I wasn't dilated and so then she gave me pain meds that I like in all honesty I didn't totally know what they are like I know what they are now yeah <laughs> but I was just like I am screaming that and I have an oxygen pain. mask
0: on and like Please, like please just help me. And so, so wait, do you know what the pain was from? Was it from the cytotech or was it the contractions or I don't really know. Yeah. I think
1: I mean, I I would assume it's from the cytotech. I mean, I had way, way worse contractions than that. Um, like later on and nothing was like as horrible as that, other than Ugh. maybe like when I like actually actually gave birth. Yeah. Um but I just remember being like oh dear god like it's 1am and I don't know what's happening and like please just put this in my IV.
0: I'm and so, so then I, sorry that's so awful. It's okay well
1: it's not really. <laughs> it's it, not okay it turned out okay yeah. <laughs> it, it ended up being okay um, and so after that it kind of felt like I had like a glass of wine which was weird like that's the only way I can really describe it was the epidural was very different but this was like a painkiller and so yeah. I think I, like, kind of relaxed a little bit. I got a little bit of sleep. They gave me another cytotec. So now it's 5.30 a.m., and I've had three cytotecs. And then I vomited (laughs) everywhere. And so then they gave me Zofran for nausea. Um, And then the next morning, the same nurse checked my cervix, and she seemed like a little... Puzzled, and she was like, You seem like how you were earlier. So, like, you're half a centimeter dilated. Um, which the whole issue with this was that I wasn't dilated at this point. And I think because she had like haphazardly checked before, she had noted that I was half a centimeter. And so, that's kind of like what she rolled with. Yeah. So, she noted again for the second time that I was half a centimeter dilated. Um, and then they gave me another cytotech orally and then at 1 30 p.m we had like kind of been discussing all of our options and I had like heard about a Foley balloon before so what that is if you haven't gone through birth is a Foley balloon is basically like a tube that they stick up your cervix and then they blow it up and it's like a balloon that sits on your cervix and so it kind of applies pressure so it hopefully encourages everything to like open up and dilate. Um, but it can be painful and also it's like a little intrusive. And so in my birth plan, I had said that I didn't want to do that. But it was now 1.30 p.m. the next day. And so I had been there for a full day and I was half a centimeter dilated as far as I was concerned. And nothing had really progressed. And everyone was really encouraging me to do it. And so I said, OK. Let's go ahead and do it. And they went to go do it and found out that I wasn't dilated. And so it was like excruciating pain. Like, it, I mean, it would be like if someone tried to stick a fully balloon up your vagina. Right. right the now. point is it's not to do that
0: when you're already dilating to encourage further dilation. Yes. Not like this is going to make you start dilating.
1: Well, and they were saying that, like, with half a centimeter, it would already be painful because usually they wait until, like, you're at least one, but the guy who was doing it seemed, like, very confident about it, Um, and also I I think that there are amazing men, labor and delivery doctors out there, like, I'm sure of it, but I think for me and my personal experience... I felt like the guys were a little rougher with me. And I think maybe like because they hadn't quite been through it. And so I think it was hard because I had a lot of these like very um, like intimidating guys who would tell me like with all certainty, like, usually we don't do this until you're one centimeter, but like, I'm confident I can do it. Like, this is the best option for you. And like, this is the best for your baby. And so I think I like kind of went along with things and I think a lot of it is my fault. Like I take responsibility for not advocating for myself more, but I do think that I had a lot of like pushers in the situation. Um, And so basically they failed and it was awful. I bled a ton which was like super traumatic and I remember there were like so many people in the room and I was like sobbing crying so it was like horrible and I remember the nurse kept being like are you okay are you okay and I was like no (laughs) I'm not like stop freaking asking me and like it was and I think that was the first time I feel like if Kyle was here he would say that that was like one of the worst times just because I think then he realized like oh shit like things really aren't going according to plan and like these people are hurting my wife like over and over again and like there I think he felt a little helpless in the situation um and so after that I was like okay I need an epidural (laughs) like this is enough like I have I keep being in pain and I feel like I need to take more of that pain medication but I don't necessarily want to and at this point I had a nurse who she was definitely the oldest nurse that was there Um, and she was very quirky in uh, that she, like, wouldn't, like, she would come in and she would be, like, humming Lady Gaga super loud <laughs> while they were, like, doing, uh, like, very important procedure on me. And she was, like, very forgetful. Like, she wouldn't take notes. Like, little things that she didn't change out, like, my whiteboard and say that she was the nurse on shift and update all my information. Like, she just was kind of out of it. Um, and I I definitely don't want to like put anything on her because I don't know her situation whatever but the way that she was acting was like she was stoned was <laughs> how it was coming across and Which so exactly I was what like you
0: want nearly until yeah Sabrina. a
1: very forgetful seemingly stoned person but that's kind um, of and like other
0: side of the coin is like the football coach like yeah exactly the the free spirit I'm like I just want someone in the it, middle can you give me something <laughs> in the middle
1: <laughs> and and so at this point I was like sobbing hysterically and so much pain like very discouraged and I was like I need an epidural and she was like okay well I'm gonna go on my lunch break and then after that I'll request for that to happen and i remember like kyle kind of talking back to her i mean like can't you request it before your lunch break and her basically being like no (laughs) and so we were like okay well i guess i'm just gonna like sit here and cry scream for another hour before it's like even requested and so i did that um and then (laughs) let's see So then at 315 is when I ended up getting my epidural and the man came in the anesthesiologist and he was very impersonal (laughs) like he just like didn't say hi to anyone he just immediately kind of got to work um. And like getting an epidural, I would say going into this process was the thing that I was the most nervous about. Like I think the actual delivery part, I was like, my body will know what it's doing. Like I trust everyone's done this a 100 times and obviously that's the same with epidurals and that like they do them all the time. But I mean, you hear horror stories about epidurals and I think there's a reason why a lot of people are opposed to them and I had read all of that research. And so I was very, very nervous about getting it. But in everything I read everyone was like okay it's like a little scary but you just get like a numbing shot and they'll give you warning and say like here comes the bee sting or okay like I'm gonna poke you and like give you a countdown and so I was literally like naked bent over the bed and the nurse was like holding me and I was crying because I was nervous and I was in so much pain and he just poked me (laughs) and like didn't give me any warning and then his phone went off and so it was like blaring his ringtone and he handed it to my nurse like this is while he's doing my epidural and it's like can you pick this up for me and so she picks up as she's like holding me like over the bed while he's administering my epidural and she tells his colleagues or his students or whomever that they can come into the room and gives them our room number and so Kyle stands up because all these kids start like flocking or they're not kids I'm sure they were young adults start flocking into the room and the nurse immediately yells at him and is like sit down and I remember looking at him and we were both just like sobbing like what the hell is happening to us
0: and I remember and you had specifically put in your birth plan that you didn't want yes. any, no like, one. you didn't want anyone not essential in the room. You didn't want any uh, medical students or any, mm-hmm. um, uh, like, uh, resident doctors or anything like that. Yes. Um, and so you had specifically put that in your birth plan, too.
1: Hmm. I mean, I had even said, like, no family members other yeah. than, like, my mom and Kyle. Yeah. <laughs> like, just in case anyone, like, tried to show up. Like, I like, was very clear about the fact that I only wanted the very essential people. And so all these people start coming in and, uh, like, a dad from the other room started coming in and Kyle had to, like, tell him not to come in because he was, like, trying to get our nurse or was confused and it was a whole horrible thing. And so, um, then they checked me, like, a little while later and I was still half a centimeter, but I think that this time I was probably actually half a centimeter and not, like... Zero, half a but nurse. yeah yeah half a <laughs> centimeter um and so then at eight o'clock that night I took cytotech vaginally because the new doctor was like well of course you're not dilating they've been giving it to you orally this whole time like I've never heard of them doing that before and at this point I mean I don't know I'm sure you could go back through this podcast and figure it out I think I'd taken like five
0: yeah
1: six maybe and so to hear that It was now 8 o'clock and I was half a centimeter dilated and I had taken all of this medication and it hadn't been working because, like, I should have been taking it vaginally and that they disagreed with their colleague before them was so disheartening. Yeah.
0: I was like... it's like you went through that (laughs) horrific pain
1: for nothing. Yeah. Well, and also it was like this idea that the doctor came in and was like, why'd they do that? Like... They shouldn't be doing that. And you're like, it Good kind of question. made me Yeah, I'm like, I don't freaking know. <laughs> <laughs> like, I I don't know. I just listened to the doctor, you know? Um, And so then I got super nauseous, so they added Benadryl to my IV. And then at 1 a.m., I got checked, and I was one centimeter dilated, but Milo's heartbeat had dropped. So they delayed giving me more medicine. And I think hearing that his heartbeat had dropped... Like really freaked me out, especially after everything that was happening. um And so at four twenty a.m. four twenty, <laughs> um, your nurse tried to stoked about that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> my nurse is like my favorite time of night. my twenty minute break. <laughs> sorry, um, sorry. <laughs> so at four twenty, they tried the fully bulb again, oh. and I again was opposed to it but was a pushover and was like if you're telling me that like i'm one centimeter dilated for sure and that this will get things going like whatever like we're just gonna do it um and also to note is that at this point like my contractions were still very painful and i had gotten my iv a couple hours beforehand Er my IV. I had gotten my epidural a couple hours beforehand, but everyone kept telling me throughout this entire process that I was a first-time mom and that epidurals relieve pain, but they don't relieve pressure. So that what I was feeling was pressure and that, like, I didn't know my body and that, like, I needed to basically suck it up. <laughs> like, hey, like, you already have an epidural. Like, you're just feeling pressure. Like, we're not going to knock you out with drugs. Is basically what they were saying. Um, And so people kept on telling me that. And so I just thought that like maybe I was a wuss. (laughs) And so they tried the Foley bulb again. Super painful. Awful. But they got it in. And that caused my water to break. So once the water broke, I think it was kind of like a mad dash of... I think that they had expected it to break in some capacity I think that happens for a decent amount of people but it was like oh this is really happening um and so it was just kind of a cluster of everything happening and Kyle and I were kind of piecemealing together everything that was going on because no one was like narrating it for us um and so at let's see so that was at 4 30 a.m at 8 30 a.m they removed the fully bulb. Because they said that I had like dilated to the amount that they wanted me to. And they were starting to get concerned about Milo's heartbeat again. And in my birth plan, I explicitly say that I did not want internal monitoring. So basically there are two ways that they can monitor your baby's heartbeat in labor. So either you can have like external monitors that sit on your stomach so a lot of times you'll see them in pictures of like usually it's like a blue strap and a pink strap and one monitors your heartbeat and or one monitors contractions and then one monitors the baby's heartbeat um and internal monitoring is they basically stick like a hook up in your cervix and hook the baby's head and then monitor their heartbeat that way and so i had said i definitely did not want that because i just thought that seemed like intrusive and like hard for the baby um and but they had told me that like his heartbeat wasn't doing well and that they were really concerned about it and that they would get a much more accurate read with internal monitors and I was like you know what (laughs) not what I had planned but if it's gonna be the best for my baby like let's do it so they did that and then 30 minutes later at 9am so granted my water had broke at 4:20. Um this is now what almost 5 hours later, they finally told me that there was meconium when my water broke, which meconium is basically like the baby's first poop. So, when a baby is so babies start creating their first poop, like when the I don't even know. Very early on in pregnancy. <laughs> and yeah. so when it comes out, it's like sorry if this is gross but birth is kind of gross um (laughs) it's like basically like a black tar and so like the nurses always deal with the baby's first poop because it's just crazy and then they start like obviously having like breastfed or formula poops um and so when they broke my water basically he got so stressed out that he pooped and so then they started so having meconium is a huge deal But they didn't tell me till four and a half hours later and again it was a very chill nurse that I had and so she didn't really express to me how serious it was. Otherwise I think I would have asked for a c-section. Like, right then and there. Yeah. Um, it was just kind of a footnote for them. They're like, oh, yeah, and it Like, had... and on your notes, it says that, like, you had meconium. And I remember one of our friends had meconium, too. And their baby was totally fine, no complications. And so I think in my brain, I was like, oh, I remember that someone else had that. And, like, it wasn't that big of a deal. Um, right. And so the only thing that she said that kind of, like, alerted me that it could be a big deal was she said that... A lot of times they'll like to have the NICU team in there just as, like, in case they need backup. Like, because of the meconium. Which yeah. I was like, okay. Like, we'll have a couple extra people in the room. It won't be a big deal. Whatever. Um, And so then at 1 p.m. So between that time, I was having regular contractions. Everything was, like, quote-unquote fine. I started having really bad cramping and pressure. And so... And this is
0: now... 48 hours after you first came in right
1: yeah this is two two full days days after um and so I started having like really really bad pain and again everyone kept telling me it's pressure it's pressure (laughs) but it was pain um and I was having really bad cramping and so they checked me they said I was two to three centimeters dilated so I was like making a lot of progress not a lot but more than I had been um And then at 5.25 that same day, they checked and I was four centimeters dilated and 90% effaced and in station zero. So I was I was on my way to being there. And so that was at 5:30. And at seven, I projectile vomited again, but this time like all over Kyle, all over the nurse. It was like awful. I, this whole time I had been like going on and off the oxygen mask, and my contractions were really close together, which is why they never gave me Pitocin, is because they were like, this girl's got, got the natural contractions. Um, right. But that meant that it was painful, and I had contractions for a very long time. And so they gave me Zofran in my IV again to help with nausea. And at eight o'clock, the nurse changed shifts. And at, at this time, I pretty much from five o'clock or five thirty, whenever that was, until eight o'clock, I kept asking for people to check me. I was like, I, I am positive that I am like at least an eight. Like I've never given birth before, but like I know my body. I am progressing, and they kept telling me that they didn't want to check me because of the meconium, and that like I was at a higher risk for infection because like my water had broken so there was really no seal between me and Milo um, so like if they were to check me they would touch his head versus if like the amniotic fluid had been there then they wouldn't be touching him if that makes There's sense, that barrier yeah yeah and so they were very hesitant to check me so at 8 o'clock they still hadn't checked me my nurse was just refusing And at 8.15, I told Kyle, I was like, you need to go out in the hallway and grab whoever is at the nurse's station and have them check me immediately. Like, this is, like, I'm over (laughs) everyone telling me that, like, I'm not progressing because I know that I'm progressing and, like, I feel like I need to push. And so he was like, okay whatever you say, like I will go and I'll get a nurse and we'll figure this out. So he just grabbed a random nurse who had never met me or anything. And I think I was kind of frazzled at this point because I felt like no one was listening to me. And so she was like, hi, sweetie. Like, what can I do for you? Do you need more water? Like what's going on? I was like, you need to check me right now because I'm about to have my baby. And she was like, huh, like I'm sure like you still got some time, but like I'll check you if you like really insist. It was just being like very like patronizing, and it was kind of like you know those people who will message you on Facebook and be like, "Hi, sweetie, <laughs> like, <laughs> I have some advice," or you know, yeah. whatever.
0: It was very I much have an interesting business proposition yes. for you. <laughs> it was very much that energy,
1: and so eventually she checked me, and I was a ten. And oh my god, I what, they could feel his head like fully. And we're like, yep, like, you are past station zero, you are fully effaced, you are a 10, like, we need to get you pushing. So you should have already been pushing at that point, right? It was like, I mean, it's kind of a question of how long I was at a 10, but it was definitely like, yep,
0: (laughs) we need to start pushing now. That Um, makes me so mad that, like, after everything that you went through already mm -hmm. at that point, and you're sitting there saying... I can tell, please just check me. You're not saying like, I need to push. I need to do this. You're like, just check. Just check. Just check. Yeah. Just check. And then you were right.
1: Well, and also it, no one was like really explaining things to me, which is like, so they had it like on the whiteboard like what are your goals for the day and so every day the nurse would come in and be like what are your goals for the day so in postpartum it'd be like my goal is that like i latch today and like can like have a good breastfeeding day or my goal is to get dilated to like three centimeters or whatever and every day on my whiteboard i just asked for them to write to be informed like that's all that i wanted like i didn't care if i was in the hospital for a month like, all I wanted was to know what was happening to my body and to be, like, a decision maker. And I think that that kind of, like, got taken away from me, unfortunately, in a lot of situations. And and so, yeah. And so, anyways, they checked me. I was a 10. They were like, okay, well, the nurses just changed shifts. So, like, let me get your new nurse in here. You can meet her. You can meet the new doctor. And I was like, great. So, I'm not going to know anyone now that, like, I've been with. Because at this point, I've been there for multiple I think what two days almost three days and I guess two and a half days and so I had met most of the doctors and nurses and so I was like can it please just be someone I have some sort of relationship with you know and so they bring in the new nurse and she was not my cup of tea she like didn't take anything seriously like my iv was beeping because it was out and so kyle was like hey can you please refill her iv and she was like oh like we'll get to it like she was just very like chill and i was like hey so the nurse that was just in here told me that i was 10 and that i need to start pushing so like can we do that (laughs) you know and she was just very like oh like let me go get situated like let me go grab your notes And the doctor that or the nurse that was on previously apparently hadn't even noted that I had meconium. Like she hadn't taken really any notes. And so she got in here and she was like running me down or like running the list down of things that like I had pre-existing or had happened so far. And she missed a bunch of huge things. Like I'm RH negative, which means that most likely Milo was a different blood type than I was. So... That's important because, like, my antibodies could start fighting his if our blood gets mixed. And so he needed, like, a vaccination right after he was born to kind of combat that. And obviously the NICU team had to be there. And she wasn't aware of, like, any of this. So here I am, like, contractions so close together. My epidural isn't working at this point. So I'm in so much pain. The nurses are changing shifts. I'm a 10. And I'm having to, like, run down to this lady and be like okay, well, the NICU team needs to be here. And I had meconium and they did a fully balloon. And, you know, and just trying to like list off everything. And I kept turning to my mom and Kyle, who were the two people who were there with me and being like,
0: is there anything else? (laughs) Well, that's hard too, because like you said, you weren't informed on everything that was going on. So then to have to be the one to inform the new nurse when you don't even know everything is like an impossible situation to be in. Well,
1: and it was stressful because I was like, what if I miss something that's like a huge freaking deal and that you know like I just I didn't really know and so um eventually she came in and let's see she didn't know anything (laughs) um and then we started pushing at 8 30 so at 8 30 it was becoming very evident that my epidural was not working but no one was listening to me and there's like a button that you can push a couple times an hour so the way that an epidural works is it's supposed to numb you basically from like the belly button down ish um so you're not supposed to be able to walk when you have an epidural which like I could fully move my legs um and it's supposed to kind of give you like a constant flow of numbness but then if like for some reason you're having a spike in pain and you can feel it you can like push a button and it basically gives you like a boost so you get like a couple boosts an hour and so I kept trying to like boost it and I would run out within like 10 minutes of the hour because it just wasn't working at all and um and so she like just again wasn't believing me and then let's see and then so how it's supposed to work is the nurse is supposed to come in and do like practice pushes with you is what they call it so she's supposed to like count down from i think it's count down from 10. i don't even remember now that's so weird but i think it's 10 of that she's supposed to count down and you're supposed to push and it's supposed to be like a whole coordinated thing and half the time she either wouldn't count like when we would see a contraction on the screen or she would like walk off mid-count and just like stop counting like, she'd be like, six, five, four, and, like, walk off. <laughs> and and so, eventually, I was like, mom, like, you need to start counting. Like, you need to watch, yeah. and, like, you and Kyle can change off. And so, literally, Kyle and my mom were both, like, holding each of my legs up in the air, and they were, like, watching the monitors and figuring out, like, when to count because this nurse was just so, like, off in la-la land. Um so i think that kind of stressed them out a little um and my mom i like had told her beforehand i was like okay here's like the music that i want playing it's like all relaxing spa like hymns and like can you please like read out my birth affirmations to me and then I'll read them back and it'll be like this whole thing. And so I just remember she kept trying to like read my birth affirmations to me and have me repeat them. But I was like so pissed off.
0: <laughs> was yeah, like... you're like, no, this is all out the window. She'd be like, okay,
1: Skylar, my body was made to do this. And I'd be like, my body was made to do this. <laughs> I was like so mad. And I was like, why is no one listening to me? And I think I, I also was mad because I... I feel like in life I tend to be a pretty like calm person and I think I really imagined my birth being this like transformative magical experience and so I think that I was also so frustrated that it wasn't going the way I want like at this point I was like I know my birth isn't going to be like peaceful or magical like yeah things are going wrong no one's listening to me I don't know this new nurse I don't even know where she is like she's left the room I haven't met the doctor yet like and so I think I was I was in pain and everything was going wrong but also I was frustrated because I think this is when I started to realize like this isn't going to be great
0: (laughs) right that you've been kind of kind of robbed of that birth experience that's everyone says like the best day of their life is when their kid was born Mm -hmm. and not only are you dealing with pain and frustration and and concern and unknown for what's going to happen with your baby, but you also feel like you're kind of being robbed of this experience that's supposed to be, you know, one of the most magical days of your life. Totally. That's exactly it.
1: And so, let's see. So she kept leaving the room and then finally at 9.30, so an hour later, the new doctor came in and she said that she was going to bed and so that another doctor would actually be the one to deliver me so they usually had two doctors on shifts because they work long shifts and so one of them will like sleep while the other one's working and then they'll shift so she came in introduced herself and then was like but like there's really no point in me introducing myself because I'm not going to be your doctor like I'm going to bed bye and so I was like the hell (laughs) like I still don't know the doctor who's delivering me like this is so stressful um so around 11 p.m an entirely new doctor comes in so I started pushing at 8 30 this is now 11 and so I've been pushing with my epidural not working this whole time and like not really getting
0: anywhere And, and what time did your water break the day before so this had been how long since your water broke? let's see
1: my water broke at 4.20. And a.m., right? Uh, 4.20 p.m. So, okay. Th- I mean, it's a long time since then, and especially with, like, right. the meconium and everything. Like, he basically was, like, sitting in his own poop for this whole time. Right. And so, but no one, like, really explained to me how bad that was. And so right. I just, I didn't know. And so this entirely new doctor comes in, And she says that if I don't have the baby in the next hour, that I'm going to need a cesarean, like an emergency cesarean, and that Kyle likely wouldn't be able to come with me. And I had already been pushing for so long. And so she was like, can I see, like, you pushing? And told me that I had been pushing completely wrong because the only person who had been instructing me was this nurse who very clearly, like, didn't really care about me or the situation. And so she showed me a new way to push. And so then I started making a lot more progress. And she like showed me a couple different positions I could get into. And because I could get up on my legs, I like was able to get into those positions. And so she was kind of shocked that I was able to like move around so much. And she was like, we should get the anesthesiologist in here. Because if you're saying you can feel everything that's happening and you're able to move around, like there is something wrong with your epidural. So I appreciated that she was like, let's get the anesthesiologist in here. This nurse showed you the wrong way to push. Like, let's make progress. But I think it was... She was the first
0: person who was kind of like, okay, I'm going to listen to you. You're telling me that you can feel this and you're telling me that this isn't working and let's problem solve.
1: But I think it was simultaneously very disheartening to... I had been pushing for hours at this point for her to tell me like, if you don't get that baby completely out in the next hour like you are getting an emergency cesarean and likely Kyle won't be able to come with you right and I was like I've been working so hard and like I'm so mad that I didn't know how to push and that like I felt like I wasn't being advocated for and so I think I just felt a lot of emotions and so I I was just like crying hysterically and i remember kyle was counting and i started like screaming at him i was like you're counting too slow like like please like let my mom count like this is ridiculous and like to be yeah. fair i think he was counting very slow but you know he was like <laughs> 10 mississippi nine <laughs> you know i was like 10 nine um and so then she also told me that he was turned to his side which no one had told me up until this point of all the people checking me. So like, basically, he was still going to come out head first, but like, he was his shoulders were flipped, so it was going to be like extra hard to deliver him. Um, and so, also, like, just want to say that I wasn't opposed to having a cesarean if it was medically necessary. Like, I think if if it had been made more clear to me, like how how dire the situation was or if someone had brought it up earlier I think I would have been really on board with it because I just yeah. all that matters to me is having like a healthy baby but no one had mentioned it like I have been in the hospital for days now and not no one had, brought it up. had anyone brought up like hey just so you know this is a possibility with induction or with this that and the other and so it was just this stranger coming in saying like hey like And he was not head out or anything at this point. Like, I was still very early in my laboring process of, like, getting him out. And she just comes in and is like, okay, you got one hour. (laughs) And so it was kind of this thing of, like, like extreme fear because – I mean like in my labor and delivery class they had briefly talked about cesarean births um but also I think it's just one of those things where you don't necessarily think that's going to happen to you of like I remember even doing our hospital tour and seeing the NICU and kind of thinking to myself like hopefully we don't have to go in there (laughs) you know like we'll never be here yeah, yeah and I think there's oftentimes this kind of like misconception of oh like that happens to other people (laughs) you know and I think especially since no one had talked to me about it I it was just really scary to be like who is this person coming in and telling me I'm gonna have to like go through a major surgery now like when I've already been pushing and whatever um and so then let's see and then the anesthesiologist came in and, and is this the same guy or new guy so this is a new guy And he says he's going to give me a topical anesthetic. So basically, he's going to like put numbing stuff on my vagina. And he stuck me with a needle and I like yelled out in pain. And he was like, oh, you shouldn't have felt that. And I was like, yes, this is what I've been saying. I can feel this. Um, And so then he rechecked my epidural and said that it wasn't working. And so everyone was like, oh shit, <laughs> like this guy's saying it's not working. It's actually not working. And so he said that he could try to readminister it, but my contractions were so frequent at this point. And also I was on the time crunch of like, I have an hour and now at this point I had like, what, 45 minutes um, or else I'm getting a cesarean. So like I just needed to go without it. And so yeah. I think I just was feeling so overwhelmed <laughs> and I also remember I was like crying out being like can someone get the NICU team in here? Like if I'm giving birth in the next hour like shouldn't they be here? Like <laughs> what's happening? Um, and so let's see. Oh and so I, I said no to the epidural especially I yeah. think because the first one was so traumatic for me. <laughs> I was like yeah. everything is going wrong and like I don't need to go through that again um and so I kept asking for the NICU team to come in finally at 12 five his head came out and so then the NICU team and doctors finally came in like once his head was out and to me I've heard stories of like okay the head comes out and then it's like a minute like everything else comes out so his head mm-hmm. came out the doctor wasn't there the NICU team wasn't there and so then it was like me screaming at everyone being like <laughs> please like
0: can everyone come in someone catch my baby yes
1: exactly like oh my god (laughs) is my mom gonna birth me like what is happening (laughs) and so then everyone came in like a mad rush and there were like at least 10 people in the room when before like a minute prior it had been like me my mom kyle and then the nurse who had like at this point kind of been staying around but still like checking out every once in a while and so it was like all of a sudden I think there were, like, four or five people from the NICU and the doctor and the doctor's assistant. And it was, like, all of these people. Oh, and there was another nurse there, too. Um, and so then at 1230 is when I actually gave birth. So he came out, and the first thing that happened was he wasn't crying, which, like, in my brain was, like, what is like babies are supposed to cry and i know that they're supposed to like get a score on how healthy they're looking based on like how early they cry and all of these things but like crying is the number one thing you're supposed to hear and so they put him on me very briefly and i remember everyone was like like very freaked out and like it it wasn't like a joyous like it's a boy it was like a weird yeah. there was a weird energy shift in the room Um, and his umbilical cord was wrapped around his neck and was wrapped around something else. No, I wrote down it was just wrapped around his neck. So it was wrapped around his neck. So it was strangling him. And so they unwrapped that and Kyle quickly cut the cord and he was like on my stomach. And I remember he was like completely gray and not like, like in all the birth classes, they show babies and like, obviously they're covered in white stuff and, but like, They look alive and his eyes were completely rolled back into his head i like didn't see his chest moving he was completely gray he wasn't crying and i just like lost it (laughs) and so they like quickly sweep him off my chest so i maybe saw him for like five seconds if that like i didn't get to touch him or anything and they took him over to this table and then they started counting out the minutes that like he wasn't crying and they were like suctioning out the meconium and it was all these people around him and people were like talking in very loud voices and then the doctor was like trying to get me to birth my placenta because you also have to like birth your placenta once you birth your baby so i was like pushing again and trying to get the placenta out and like trying to look over to like his incubator um, yeah. To like try and catch a glimpse of him because I feel like you go through your entire pregnancy and you're like I just I can't wait to see my baby's face <laughs> like I just want to know like what he looks like and see him and I've been through this whole process and I just wanted to see him and so then I'm giving birth and to so the placenta. And I finally do and then she starts stitching me up and obviously I my epidural wasn't working so I felt like all the stitches and it was hard and like horrible and I was in pain and they got up to seven minutes of counting without him crying and so everyone is like really freaking out at this point and I just remember like looking at my mom and looking at Kyle and They couldn't really see him either, but they, I felt like had kind of a better idea of what was going on and both of them just kind of like shaking their head at me like, like it doesn't look good, you know? Um, and so I, luckily I only had first degree internal tearing, which apparently is like the one good thing of all this is apparently that's pretty uncommon for first time moms. And so it, like my tearing wasn't that bad, um, And then they started wheeling him off like they just started taking him out of the room and so i was like can i please just see him like can i like i just need to like peek in and like see that he's alive like i just need to see him and they rolled him next to me but there was a lady standing in front of him and so i maybe saw like part of his legs like i didn't see him at all um, and they immediately rolled him out because obviously they like had to perform surgery on him and like there was stuff that needed to be done and me seeing him wasn't top priority, which I understand. but for me, like the most important things in my brain were like doing skin to skin with him and like breastfeeding him right away and like I wanted delayed cord clamping and I had all these ideas of things that in my brain were so important for like a mother and baby to do to like not only get connected but also like for breastfeeding to be successful and you know people just tell you all these things (laughs) and I and I'd made all these decisions and I'd made them very clear to everyone and although I was having an epidural I'm a pretty like crunchy granola person and so it was just like heartbreaking seeing him be
0: wheeled out of the room and this and the main the main issue right was that he had swallowed the meconium or had gotten in his lungs right yeah
1: so he had meconium all over him so he wasn't crying or anything because he essentially wasn't really breathing and so they were with those like little like snot suckers that you see sometimes they're like blue they were like going in
0: and like suctioning it out of him so they were like because he essentially had like black tar consistency coating his lungs yes and like everything
1: and so my gosh and so they started wheeling him out and they like basically yelled at kyle and were like okay like either you can come with us or you can stay with your wife and i was like you need to go with him like this is like this is horrible and awful and everything and so kyle went with him and then everyone like just cleared out of the room like within a minute or two and it was like horrible Like, they literally, they had my placenta in, like, a plastic jar, like, next to the sink, and there were, like, bloody gloves on the ground, and it was just me and my mom, and I remember turning to her and being like, like, do you think my baby's alive? Like, 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 what, like, what is going on? Like, it was horrible. Like, I, I think, like, I have never felt so scared and alone or anything in my life. Like just.
0: What an awful moment. It was so horrible. And so. um, And for Kyle to have to. Like make that decision. and Say I need to leave my wife here so that I can go be the one to be with our baby is just. Yeah. So hard. I'm so sorry that you Mm -hmm. had to go through that. Thank you. I think, yeah,
1: it was awful. And I remember the same nurse came in and I was like, can I please get some painkillers? Like, this is awful. And she was like, well, now that you're in postpartum, like, all we can offer you is Motrin. I was like, great. I'll take some Motrin, you know? (laughs) And so they gave me Motrin and like, that didn't really help. Um, They gave me some like graham crackers because you're not allowed to eat. entire time you have an epidural so I hadn't eaten for like multiple days at this point but like also hadn't had an epidural so I was like starving and shaking and everything and so I was like I like tell me what I need to do to go see him Nick you. and so she had like a bucket list of things I needed to do like I needed to pump first and I needed to like go to the bathroom and learn about like how to take care of everything postpartum and I remember her telling me that and I literally just stood up out of bed and like started walking over to the bathroom and she was, like, kind of shook. <laughs> she was, like, yeah. like, what is, like, this lady just, like, gave birth <laughs> and is supposed to be hooked up to an epidural. And, like, she's just getting out of bed and walking to the bathroom. But I just remember yeah. being, like, I need to see him. Like, I, like, I will do whatever it takes. Like, get me over there as quickly as possible. Um, and so then I pumped a little. And meanwhile, Kyle, and I'm going to, like, consult my notes more at this point because this is, like, yeah, Kyle's stuff. Um, But so meanwhile, Kyle was with Milo in the NICU and he was getting, not Kyle, Milo was getting x-rays to see if he had fluid in his lungs. And while they were x-raying him, they found that he had a hole in his lung that one of the nurses had punctured with the like sucker grabber thing. Um, and so now he had a hole in his lung and had meconium and all these other issues. And so they told Kyle that they needed to put two intravenial tubes through his umbilical cord. And one was for his left ventricle of his heart and one was for the right ventricle. And they told Kyle that if they did it wrong, that it would kill him. Um, And so they had to sign, Kyle had to sign like a consent form. And they said that it was like a super risky thing. And apparently that was horrible for Kyle. Um, Yeah.
0: And well so, imagine have I mean, I, I just can't imagine having a couple minute old baby and being instantly told you have to sign this paper that says he might die. Yeah. And it was like that's horrific.
1: It was awful. And so they were only able to get one in, but they like obviously didn't kill him and that one was like apparently enough for now. Um and so then they put him on a breathing tube and got him like all hooked up to everything um and and so then I I just remember I kept asking Kyle for pictures like I literally just got on my phone and was like please like I will I don't care if it's literally like a picture of the ceiling like I just I need to know like where you're at where my baby's at like I I just need to be informed and so he was able to send me like a couple of pictures but obviously Milo was like hooked up to all these machines and had like a breathing tube in and was like still off colored and he just looked horrible you know and so
0: yeah. that I don't think really made me feel any better um, and this was all very late at night early morning right yeah you gave birth at like 12 30 so this is what like 1 a.m yeah
1: this is maybe like 1 one thirty, and so then finally they wheeled me over to postpartum because they said I needed to get checked in at postpartum before I could go see him so I just remember getting checked in and I feel kind of bad for the nurses because they were like trying to small talk with me and they're like oh you have a baby in NICU like what's his name and I was like I like I'm sorry (laughs) like I'm not gonna converse with you right now like I really I just need to like see my baby um and so Kyle then was able to wheel me over to the NICU once Mm -hmm. we got all checked in and like I had mentioned earlier in the podcast all of the NICU nurses were so nice I think I mean, obviously, there are, like, varying levels of kindness and, you know, everyone's different. But as a whole, the NICU nurses were pretty amazing. Um, but I remember getting in there and everyone telling me a bunch of things about my baby. And they weren't necessarily all, like, medical things you know it was like he's so incredible he's such a fighter he's such like a tough baby he's so this he's so that which was so kind and nice and awesome but I think for me it made me feel like I like I just want to look at my baby's face like I don't want to be having a conversation with a stranger I don't want you to be telling me like all of these things about my like I just want to get to know him because at this point it had been hours of like Kyle seeing him and like people operating on him and doing x-rays and and like supervising him and I just felt like I hadn't even really seen his face other than like one picture that Kyle sent me and so I think I was like very emotional and um we sat there for like an hour maybe just like looking at him and then the nurses were like hey so if you want to breastfeed like a lot of times I mean like getting your milk in is hard for pretty much every mom I think you're like super blessed if all of a sudden you have your baby and it's just like pew pew (laughs) you're a cow now um but I I think it's especially hard for NICU moms because a lot of it is like your hormones of having your baby there doing skin to skin even just having your baby like on your boob yeah. instead of like a machine all of a sudden just like trying to suck milk out of you um but they were like okay so we've already given him formula and like the formula that they had given him had dairy in it which i obviously like was fine with them giving him the nutrients that he needed but also was like kind of weird because I'm vegan and so in my entire pregnancy he like never had dairy and so it's like hey like we have your son and also like we've given him a bunch of dairy when he's never had it um which didn't wind up being an issue but I think it was just another thing where I was like cool I want him to be exclusively breastfed and like these people are making decisions for me which obviously they're the professionals they're doing the life-saving stuff like I I wouldn't question that but I think it was just another thing where I was like okay I'm not in control um and so they told me that I could go back and I could pump and then come back to the NICU every two hours and they would give him as much of my breast milk as I could get and then supplement with formula so then after that I so they sent me back at this point it was probably what like 4 a.m I hadn't slept I had just given birth and I went back to the room and the lactation consultants weren't there or weren't available because they aren't around necessarily at 4 a.m at least not at the hospital I was at so I had to like try and figure out the pump like just with like no expertise and I remember they gave us like little syringes and so I would like fill up the syringe with like any milk that I got which is just kind of funny because now when I pump I like fill up bottles (laughs) of milk and I remember I was like just like suctioning every last drop and um and so yeah so that was kind of my birth I mean after that they were able to take out his breathing tube and eventually his hole healed and he was on antibiotics for a couple of days and I did skin to skin with him eventually and my milk came in because one of the NICU nurses was very kind and was like as long as he's still hooked up to everything like you can stay here for two hours and hold him like th- there's no reason why you can't right. and so I was able to do skin to skin and my milk came in like an hour later of I went from like filling up syringes to being able to like pump like small size bottles yeah. which was just kind of like a miracle. Um I think the really hard thing was that everyone had different policies so like that nurse said that I could do skin to skin with him and then I came back for my next feeding and was hoping that like I would at least be able to hold him and she said I wasn't able to even hold him let alone like do skin to skin and so I think it was just kind of hard because everyone had different like estimates of when we get to leave and everyone had different policies and and so I think that was just kind of hard um And so everyone had said that like Monday was the latest that we would go home. Like some people said we would get sent home Sunday or, you know, whenever. Um, But Monday was like, okay, you guys will for sure be out of here by then. And Monday came around and there was a new nurse and new doctor who hadn't known us and we went in and we're like had already kind of packed up our stuff and we're ready to like get him situated and they were like oh no like he needs to for sure stay another day and my like postpartum leave like we had kept getting it extended so that like i could still be in the hospital because i like literally wasn't sleeping because i would go visit milo like give him my like pumped milk and and then I would hang out with him for a little bit, go back to the room, pump some more, come back, feed him, and like every two hours, and um, and so yeah, so I wasn't sleeping, and then I finally I met with that first doctor that like got me checked in because apparently he was like my doctor because he checked me in even though. <laughs> I like never saw him again. And he told us that he would extend us. So and I nice. think it's like partially because he felt kind of bad about everything that happened. Um, and so we were able to get extended till Tuesday, um, which meant that I was able to like keep breastfeeding and pumping. And then we went home Tuesday. And I just remember like sobbing yeah. like uncontrollably in the car and like being so grateful to get out of there. And I remember like everyone is mandated to leave in a wheelchair like after you give birth and i remember being like very stingent about the fact i was like i was already supposed to be discharged like i am getting out of here please don't call up a wheelchair for me like i just need to leave like i'm gonna walk out and i'm gonna have my baby in a stroller and like this is what it's gonna be and so eventually we left and yeah. yeah i mean
0: that was that I remember well because we were getting texts from Kyle you know throughout this whole experience of okay now they're giving her the um cytotech and now this is happening and now this is happening and so we were getting these updates from Kyle and you know we were slowly kind of as you were seeing it seeing it like wasn't going to plan and like oh okay this mm-hmm. isn't like, we're probably not going to go visit him in the hospital. Because originally, yeah. Skylar was like, oh, you know, we, we want you and Steven and then um, Jessica and Brent to come and, and, you know, see him, like, maybe a couple hours after I give birth. And I remember, like, kind of point by point, it kind of starting to seem like things aren't going super well. Mm-hmm. And that morning, the morning he was born, we, Steven, like, didn't sleep at all. Because Kyle, I think Steven was texting Kyle, like, hey... You know, I don't want to bug you, but like, how's it going? Is the baby here yet? And yeah. Kyle sent him a picture of Milo and the NICU and was like, sent a little thing um up to both Stephen and I that was like, you know, Milo Jude was born at this time, da da da, da. Kind of like long story short of what's going on. And Stephen mm-hmm. and I just sobbed, like we were just so mm. heartbroken for, you know, a not knowing what was going to happen to him, and b like yeah. just absolute heartbreak for you and Kyle and I remember the one image yeah. that Stephen and I just could not get out of our heads was a couple days before you we actually went over on your due date and you were showing us all the stuff in your hospital bag and one of the things that you had packed was a little birthday candle that was a zero <laughs> um <laughs> and I remember Stephen and I just sobbing at like like the the expectations versus reality from that yeah of like the idea Mm -hmm. of after the traumatic birth that you had being like okay happy zero birthday like it's just it was so heartbreaking to me that like that is was completely out of the realm of possibility from the actual experience that you Mm -hmm. had and I just I was so so heartbroken for you and I, I think Steven and I both were just like hoping and praying that everything was okay and and not knowing and not knowing how you were and you know then everyone's texting me like uh, our mutual friends and my family like is sky like oh we're a week past the delivery date now is is skylar going into labor and me just being like i i can't text you back because i don't know (laughs) what to how to i don't want to say no but things are not going well and the thing That I think is so interesting is I remember you said that you were getting a lot of like messages both just like DMs and also from like people that you knew being like oh like he's born. So like was it the most magical birth experience and you being like well he's born but no it wasn't.
1: Yeah I mean I remember I I have, like, a private Instagram where I'll, like, post stuff for family and friends. And I ended up just, I mean, I texted you and I texted Jessica and Kyle texted his mom. But other than that, I, like, put up a picture of him there and was, like, hey, I'm so sorry I haven't responded to, like, some of my closest friends and family members and grandparents and everyone. But, like, I, this is super traumatic. But, like, he's here. And, like, this is who he is and here's a picture of him and like the NICU bed and mm. and I think it it was like such a hard thing and I mean I remember like so many strangers just DMing me on Instagram being like post a picture already girl like we want to see him <laughs> like, like and me being like I like I'm sorry I don't I think that now I find beauty in like The pictures of him with breathing tubes in and in the NICU. And I think that that can be really empowering for some people. But for me, I was like, I don't want to necessarily remember this, you know? Like, I still took the pictures and I have them and my friends and family have seen them. But I just, I think a lot of times in life, negative situations happen and you're able to see the positive in them. Like, I mean, I've, I've been in really horrible car accidents. I've had like family members pass away and pets. And and I think that, you know, it's always really horrible when it happens. But at the end of the day, you're able to be like, but I grew from that. Or, but because of that horrible situation, this happened and this happened. And I think with my birth, like, <laughs> I think it it was just hard. Yeah. You know, I think like Kyle and I grew closer together. But, like, I think that we kind of would have done that through parenthood anyways, right. you know? And and I think that it was, it was really hard. And so I remember also, like, getting so many messages from friends and family, but also just strangers being like, where's the birth announcement? Like, yeah. come on! Like, now you're, like, two weeks past your due date and, like, we haven't seen any pictures of him. Like, and it was just this weird, like, expectation. Yeah. And I was like, we aren't even home yet. Yeah. <laughs> like... I still like I barely get to hold my baby you know and it was hard because only Kyle and I were allowed in the NICU like my mom wasn't allowed in and obviously no family members were but I think it was like especially hard for my mom because for like almost a week the only image she had in her head of him other than like the pictures we would send of him in the NICU was like him looking like he wasn't alive you know and like she was in the room all of those days, she was in the room for the birth. And so the fact that she wasn't allowed into the NICU to see him, like, breathing and alive, I think was really hard for her. So yeah. we let her come over pretty much right away. And then I think we slowly had, like, everyone come over. Um, and by everyone, I mean, like, our immediate family units and then Sierra and Steven and Brett and Jessica. Um, and so but other than that like my grandparents didn't end up meeting him for a long time yeah. you know and my aunts and uncles and well and then the hard thing is
0: it was only what a month after he was born that all the lockdowns started to happen yeah so there are some people in your life who still haven't met him right
1: Hmm. I mean I have a grandma who I'm extremely close with like she I mean my mom raised me but she was kind of like my second tier parent in that way and she still hasn't met him you know like there are super close friends i have and it's just i think it's it's been hard and i think I think that's one of the hard things too about not being in postpartum with your baby or not being in labor and delivery with your baby is I think sometimes it's kind of easier to like have people just come over and be like, okay, today we're going to have visitors and everyone understands like we're in the hospital and this is what it is. And you can kind of like get everyone to meet him and then come home and have your private time. And I think Kyle and I really needed to bond with him after we had that whole experience because we felt like we didn't know him. But also all of the closest people in our life hadn't met him. And then when people come over, it's like people are coming over into your home. And obviously, like, none of my closest friends or family are judgmental. But I'm also someone where when people come over, I like... I would curl my hair and put on makeup and Swiffer the floor. And, you know, and I'm like recovering with stitches and I'm wearing an adult diaper. And I have this baby who like I'm having trouble breastfeeding because he was kind of bottle trained from the NICU. And, and also just it was kind of a,
0: immense like emotional pain of, I mean, yeah. you went through a traumatic experience um, mm-hmm. and then having the physical pain on top of that and just all that stress. When do you feel like, After you got home, when do you feel like that weight kind of lifted and you felt like we were through this, it's over, this is our life now and things are okay? I
1: think think it took maybe a couple weeks. I feel like once I kind of got the hang of breastfeeding, that helped a lot. And I think it was hard because... Like Milo in himself wasn't an unhealthy baby. It was like the circumstances that led him to have meconium that led to all of like that led to him having a hole in his lungs that led to him needing all of these extra precautions. And so I think it was really hard because on paper, he was actually a very healthy baby. But in our brains, he was this like extremely fragile baby that needed to go to the NICU, you know? And so... Like I remember going to our doctor's appointment and our doctor saying that he was underweight and that I needed to like start supplementing with formula again and this, that, and the other. And it was this idea that like, oh, and he was super cold too um, because he was so used to being under the incubator in the NICU that like we had him in long sleeves and a hat and mittens and we had him wrapped up in a swaddle and his temperature was still super low. And so it was like, We thought we were kind of getting the hang of it and then we went to this first doctor's appointment and we're like, oh my god, we're horrible parents. Our baby is freezing and he's underweight and like come to find out that Milo's just kind of a skinny kid who's always going to be in a lower percentile and like eventually his temperature went up as he acclimated to like the regular world, you know, but I think it was hard feeling like, oh my god, I can't breastfeed. I don't know this baby. Like (laughs) I feel like I'm doing everything wrong, you know, and And so I think, I think it was really hard for a while, but I mean, we came out on the other side of it and I mean, I, Milo is the greatest. (laughs) Like I'm literally just obsessed with him and super healthy and I, he's just, he's awesome. And I feel like I, I've learned a lot from the experience and I think not only like in the aspect of like the next time I give birth if there's a next time I think like just in me as a person I feel like I've learned to kind of advocate for myself more yeah and become a better communicator and trust yourself
0: and knowing that like I was right and I and I do know myself and I do know my body and it's okay for me to kind of lay down the law about that because I think you are such like a kind person and such like a like a genuinely sweet person that you I think never want to come across as like pushy and so I think hopefully if there's like any sort of good that can come out of that horrible situation it's showing that like you have every right to be pushy especially when it comes to yourself and your own autonomy and your own body and that it's okay to stand up for yourself
1: yeah and I mean i think that it's I, i'm really glad that i was able to share this yeah. because hopefully i either it was like enlightening <laughs> to people if you're like maybe someone who hasn't gone through birth as to like what birth can, can be like or if you've been in a similar situation or you know whatever the situation might be but also i think that it's important to note that like everyone's birth experience is so different right. uh, and like i mean there are people whose babies are in the NICU for months like Milo's like roommate in the NICU was born when he was I think like four months old or something or like his mom was four months pregnant and so he was in there for months and months and I think he weighed like three pounds or something when he was born like he was teeny and I mean my heart breaks for people who have to go through that you know and we were so lucky that Milo is is alive and healthy and doesn't have any major health complications and I mean Everyone's experience is just so different. And some people go in, they get an epidural, and they have their baby like an hour or two later and leave the next day, you know? Yeah. Um, and so everyone everyone's just in a different boat. And I think that yeah, I feel like it was really a learning experience for me. Well, and
0: that's what I think is so cool about you being willing to share your story and be so open and so like just giving and and sharing your experience. Because Mm -hmm. I think the more women who talk about their birth experience and share their story, the more first-time moms see that like there are so many different things that can happen and there isn't just one experience and that's the way it's going to go. Because I do think, especially for me, you know, as someone who I love watching, you know, YouTubers like birth vlogs and birth plan videos Mm -hmm. and what's in my hospital bag. And I don't think I've ever – I I never had heard someone with a story like yours and I never and and now I just in knowing your story am more educated about potential possibilities and I just am like hats off to you applause to you Mm -hmm. for being so open and and sharing that and I know it's gonna help so many other women out there
1: well thank you for giving me a platform to share I feel like when I when everything was happening, especially once I got overdue, like I was already watching tons of birth vlogs and watching videos of doctors talking about induction and Foley balloons and this, that, and the other, I, I never got to hear from the perspective of someone where it went wrong. <laughs> For them yeah and also i feel like people using like kind of graphic terminology like saying like oh my cervix my vagina like you know i feel like a lot of times it's like slow montages and (laughs) you know even if things go wrong it's like a two second clip of the mom being like disheartened and then it's like oh and like here's simba you know (laughs) like and and i think that's great because obviously like Some people want to just document the happy times and I think that's how I am in a lot of capacities but I think I think it's important to to educate people and I don't know to to say that you're not alone if you've had a hard birth experience and I think also I felt a lot of guilt of people would ask me and be like oh but like it was still so great right (laughs) me being like no it was horrible right. You know, and I I don't think I'm a bad mom for for not enjoying
0: my birth experience. No, you're and, you're a great mom. You are oh. ten a hundred out of ten. Like oh. just <laughs> perfect mom. And it's been so mm. so special to watch you bond with Milo and just oh. like watch him grow from afar because I can't see him Mm -hmm. right now but just every picture you send me and every boomerang you Mm -hmm. post I just my heart is so full for you guys and your family and Mm -hmm. especially like hearing all the details of this story now and your birth experience I feel like it just like it's that seems like a life lifetime ago like versus where you guys are now I mean he's only three months old but that feel I can't Mm -hmm. believe that was three months ago
1: yeah I mean, first of all, thank you for the compliment. It's very sweet. I think I could go on yeah. and I.
0: <laughs>
1: I mean I would I would do it a hundred times over to get him. You know, I think that I don't want this to discourage anyone or scare anyone. Um I mean he's like so amazing today we did a baby broadway class and it was mama mia themed and i like put them in little denim overalls and we like sang mama mia together and <laughs> i mean i just like we have a blast together and it's just it's so awesome and so I just
0: yeah I'm so proud of you my birth
1: my birth experience was hard but motherhood is great yeah
0: so I I am so Mm, proud of you thanks for saying you're proud of me I am so proud (laughs) of you like not only for Mm -hmm. you know being a great mom now and and really stepping into that but also like like Mm -hmm. I I don't I mean obviously I wasn't there but just from like what I was hearing from Kyle throughout that and then obviously talking to you about it after like I don't think you could have been any more determined and any more focused Mm -hmm. and any more driven to you know get Milo out and do everything that you needed to do and I'm so proud of you for Mm -hmm. like pushing through the pain and the Mm -hmm. awful situations and I'm just I'm so so proud of my best friend.
1: Aw, thank you, and thank you for being so supportive and wonderful.
0: Of course, and
1: again, just letting me share. And I'm sorry, this was kind of like a me-centric
0: podcast. Oh my, you're sorry that your birth (laughs) podcast wasn't about me. (laughs) Well, (laughs) I don't know. It was a lot of me talking. But so when Skylar was when Skylar had Milo, I was at home playing Stardew (laughs) Valley. you're all um excuse me can I please give my perspective here or... <laughs> at 1 a.m I was sleeping Skylar what were you doing <laughs> <laughs> pushing uh, right, is there anything
1: else you want to awesome add I don't think so I think my biggest thing for my next pregnancy is that I'll definitely hire a midwife or a doula I think that I think that it can be a little bit pricey, but I think that having someone to advocate for me yeah. in those situations that's not Kyle or my mom would be really helpful because although Kyle and my mom care for me probably more than anyone in the world, i they aren't doctors and they don't necessarily know like all the repercussions of medical things and I also don't think either of them felt comfortable like really saying, I don't know, like just telling a doctor what to do. Right you yeah. know
0: I've heard and so great I, things about having a doula I read a study a uh, couple months back that it was like women who have doula uh, who have a doula present during their birth I forgot the percentage but it was like are significantly more likely to have like a birth without complications to have less mm-hmm. time pushing to have all of this stuff and like you said it can be expensive but if it's within your means yeah. everything I've read has been like if you can have a doula like go for it so I feel like I've I've learned that I mean when I was pregnant I was looking into like doulas and stuff and I think hopefully if Mm -hmm. I do get pregnant again that's something that I can do because from what I've heard they really like fill in those gaps where like the doctor Mm -hmm. and the nurses aren't there but also like your partner and your friend or your parent or whoever you have in their room with you might not have as much experience whereas doulas have been to like so many different births and seen so many different experiences that even though they're not a doctor, they have kind of that background expertise.
1: Totally. Well, and I also, I listened to a really awesome podcast. Uh, It was a Chatty Broads podcast where they interviewed a postpartum doula. And I didn't even know that that was a thing until I listened to that podcast. And I don't know if I necessarily would be someone who would love that, but... I mean it sounded awesome she was saying that like she's a certified lactation consultant so like she can really help with that and also she'll just come over and like she'll do your laundry and like cook you a meal and just kind of be like a caregiver for you so that you can care give for your baby yeah. um and so just in case anyone's listening I didn't know that that was a thing but it sounds very amazing (laughs) so you could also look into that and I also I really love the idea of adding like a midwife or a doula onto your registry because I feel like now having gone through birth if I saw that on someone's registry I feel like I would be very apt to be like yes let me donate to them. right (laughs) you know right because I think like yeah having cute onesies or like fun decor or whatever is all fine and dandy but at the end of the day making sure that like you have a healthy baby and that like your mental health is okay and your partner's mental health is okay and everything is like the most important right so I think
0: that's it guys all right well thank you guys so much for listening or watching um thank you Skylar again for being mm. open and sharing and just so vulnerable through that I know it's not easy and again I just I love you so much and I'm so proud of you so mm. we'll see you. I love you so much <laughs> we'll see you guys next week <laughs> bye oh bye